This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark and Michael here this afternoon. Michael, how are things going up in uh, your neck of the woods? Uh, pretty good today, Mark. How are you doing? Same old, same old here, so not so bad. Uh, we are waking up or, you know, talking this afternoon about the Flames going beyond regulation, getting through overtime, and winning a game after three periods. Calgary beats Pittsburgh last night 2-1 to one at the Saddle Dome and the longest, most drawn-out shootout where it seemed like maybe five people that were involved in that thought that they wanted to score a goal with the rest of them were just like, eh, let's just get through this till the guy who can score can get out here. Flames win 2-1, to one, pick up two big points, uh, sweep the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time in the season series since 2017, where they did it actually back-to-back years in 16 and 17. Uh, Michael, some of your thoughts on uh, Calgary's game last night, because I thought for the most part they um, they played really solid hockey for almost the entire game. I mean, it felt like a lot of Flames games this year that they've ended up losing where they were the better team pretty much start to finish, and they were just getting goalied so much by Tristan Jerry last night, who I was doing the preview going into the game. I was talking on Twitter with people. like He had had three shutouts in his previous five starts and had only allowed one goal in the other two games. Like You knew going into the game with Markstrom and Jerry being the goalies that it was going to be a 2-1 kind of game, and... I would say it's probably the most entertaining 2-1 game I lost, but man, once like the Flames had all those chances, especially in the first, and they were still 0-0 after the first, it felt like one of those games where a lot of years this Flames team would have come out with either one or no points, but they managed to squeeze out a shootout win. It wasn't the most, like you said, high-flying skill in the shootout, but I thought the, the first three periods in overtime more than made up for it. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I'm looking at the thread where we talk it um, in the matchsticks thread during the game. Uh, 9.13 p.m. Eastern time, me, Jari's going to have the game of his life tonight. It just seemed like the first five shots of that game, Tristan Jari was just standing on his head and it was going to be one of those, all right, if they can squeak one by him, the Flames are going to have to play perfectly on the other end, which they did for almost the entire game until Michael Backlund takes an interference penalty, shoving a Penguins player into Markstrom. And sure enough, Pittsburgh's three best players come on the ice and they don't make you pay with a traditional goal because it, you know, it bounced around a little bit and deflected before it went in. But um, yeah, the Cr- Crosby and Getzel, those guys, the Getzel, they'll make you pay, and they did last night. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, out of the two goals that did go in during regulation last night, one was just Lucic's like five full shot. I don't get how it goes in on NHL goalies. Like, I don't know if they're used to shots that are like picking corners and stuff. And this just totally throws them off as he's coming in at not a great speed down the wing. Yeah. But um, yeah, that one went in. And then the other one was like a deflection that also hit off Tanov and just happened to find its way in. Like it was that game could have very easily been zero zero through regulation last night too. So I think we we're almost lucky to even get one, one. Yeah. And you know, Lucic gets the flames um, on the board last night for the 18th time in 22 games. The flames have scored first. Um, Wills and Lou had a stat last night during the game. I think like the flames are like 11, Oh, and one 
after the second period when they have a lead and then Pittsburgh put that goal and I mean it was like overtime they're going to lose. It's the only like literally the only negative it's thing what they you do. Can say. Yeah, it's the only negative part of the Flame season is if it goes beyond 60 minutes you're like damn it. <sighs> One point tonight. But they held I mean overtime was pretty good. I mean Jari played really well. It opened up a little bit end to end, you know, some 3 on 1 rushes. Um I thought at times maybe the only takeaway I guess you could say from that game last night was Maybe they try to get a little too fancy. Maybe just shoot the puck a little more instead of trying to, you know, make the fancy, gorgeous highlight reel pass. Just put the puck on net. Rebounds come out. But Michael Backlund ends up getting the game winner in the shootout, who I'm glad he was able to redeem himself after taking the stupid penalty. So that was good to see. But, um, yeah, I thought all in all last night, you know, good goaltending on both sides. And I think Markstrom played well, but he just got overshadowed, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, I don't even think he got a star last night, if I'm remembering correctly, no. but I just thought he was... He was solid. That's that's all you kind of need from the Flames goaltending right now to like give your team a chance to win. Is like you just need somebody you can rely on to make the saves that he should make back there. And luckily, he did just enough to kind of ensure they got at least the point and then went to the shootout. Um, yeah, I I really think the NHL is kind of trending this way. That like a lo- I know guys still work on kind of shootouts for fun in practice, but like. I think since three on threes come in, we've seen so few shootouts now that like it's kind of one of those things you could just see a bunch of guys just didn't have the same creativity they used to have on both teams yeah. last night, and it was kind of like so I was we were I was I was at the game with a friend. We were sitting in the stands once they kind of got through there. Like once they got past Gaudreau for the Flames, we're kind of like okay, we'll see who they got. But like all these, it seemed like both teams, all these guys just kind of came in and flipped a shot off the net and like. All right, where's the uh, where's the creativity? Then it must just be because they're not working on it as much with three on three ending. Probably, I'd say eighty percent of games this year, at least, if not more. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. When you look down through teams as we preview them and whatnot, you don't see a lot of shootout wins or shootout losses. Um, you know, the Penguins being one of those teams that actually has spent some time in the shootout this year. So, I guess it was apropos that they would, you know, take one against the Flames or play against. But yeah, like Matthew Kachuk is normally the the more creative flame player when it comes to shootouts. And he came in last night. It was like, eh. Monahan leading off is I was like, what the hell are they doing? Monahan has like, he got no speed, no creativity. You know, Monahan plays in the slot. I mean, he used to be, you know, the shootout guy, you know, but not anymore. Um, so Gaudreau gets his backland gets his and Calgary wins two to one. Um, Given their second win on their little brief three game homestand. It's almost just doesn't seem fair that the flames go on the road for 11 days, play seven games, come home for three. And then it's, you know, passport suitcases and, you know, clothes thrown in a bag and heading back out. Um, homestand wasn't too bad. Uh, handled the Blackhawks. Um, that game, 5-2 to two score looks probably a little more, uh, wor- a little worse, I should say, than it really was because they did put in two empty netters at the end. Um, lose to the Jets 4-2 to two in a game that was frustrating to watch, seeing they had a 2 nothing lead. But all in all, you know, a three-game homestand, six available points. They pick up four, you know, considering. And um, not, not bad, right? Yeah, I thought the Jets game, like, I thought they played quite well. They got off to that 2 nothing lead, and I think um, we've all kind of talked about it a bit, but it felt like if they'd just gotten that third one in that Jets game and Hellebuck didn't stand on his head after that, that, yeah. like, if they'd made it 3 nothing, even 3-1, I feel like they would have been able to kind of just salt that win away. But um, unfortunately, that isn't always the case. But, um, yeah, I don't have any complaints with the three games over this homestand. They probably had a case to win all three. They won two, so take four of six points and uh, just move on to this uh, California trip. Well, and you look at it too. I mean, you take two out of three at home, your win last night puts you in first place in the West and the Pacific. So all in all, the way they're playing, like we were discussing earlier, this really isn't a lot to complain about with this Flames team. So that's a good thing. Um, 
One thing we're definitely not complaining about, which I remember where I was when the trade happened. I was sitting in a hotel in Stowe, Vermont at my one of my son's lacrosse tournaments and woke up to find the news that James Neal was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for Milan Lucic. And I kind of did a really like we just traded our trash for their trash. I, I guess we're breaking even um, flames have broken way more than even with this trade. Lucic has got six goals. Um, he's the master of the goal and for the five hole on the rush. He's taken over for Johnny five hole. Um, you know, that's Lucic's new thing. He's got six goals on the season. That's tight. That's fifth best on the flames, which is crazy to think that Lucic has the fifth amount of fifth best goal total on the flames at his age. Uh, Really can't say enough about his play since he's been in Calgary, but this year especially. Yeah, definitely. I think this is probably the first year where every time Lucci's just done something good, we haven't heard like the yeah, that's great, he did something, but he still paid too much. Like this year, I don't I don't want to say he's quite living up to like the full five point two five they're paying him, but like it's a not an issue like it has been in past years where it's like people always kind of had that as the rain cloud hang over anything good he did. Like this year. I haven't seen anybody complaining about his dollar amount. Maybe it's just because we've accepted it that it's going to suck. But yep. man, he's been, he's taken a huge step forward from even last year. He looks like he's really leading the team out there. And it's, um, it's so much fun to watch because it looks like he's really enjoying the sport, which I know he said when he first came here, he wasn't even sure if he wanted to keep playing anymore after how things ended in Edmonton and how it started in Calgary. So it looks like he's enjoying it. I don't, again, I don't know how he keeps scoring those five hole shots, but we'll take it. And yeah, it, it's, it's great to see him enjoying himself, and it makes it really seem like he's going to... Hey, if he hits the 20 he's on pace for, I think uh, he might get a parade regardless of how the Flames do this year. Yeah, exactly. Again, him coming in, it was like, wow, I would have loved Lucic if we'd gotten the you know Boston Bruins Milan Lucic. You know? But he's done all he's been asked to do. He drops the gloves when he has to. I mean, he had two fighting majors within the first like four games of the season, which put him i think one short of the amount he had last year and we don't you know whatever i don't need him to fight you know that's not a big deal i mean he leads the team in penalty minutes unfortunately because of the hit on saturday night against winnipeg which honestly i didn't i didn't like it i i didn't not necessarily not like the hit i thought that the punishment was a little bit steep i mean he hit a smaller guy who was crouching down and over obviously lucic isn't trying to hurt him i thought the hit on shillington earlier in the game against winnipeg was more egregious than that hit but you know how the NFL NHL officials are. They see some things and they don't see some things. So, I mean, last mm-hmm. night we, they figured out that there were two penalties by watching the replay. <laughs> with, that, with was that was, that was, <laughs> you know? that was dumb just because like, again, I was watching it live and I saw the play and I thought it was originally on Coleman. And then they kind of set the penguins guy to the box. So it's like, okay, I guess like that might've been a missed call, but like, it was so weird to see them go send the guy to the box. And I think Crosby came over and talked to the refs for a while. And then suddenly all the refs huddled for like a minute and came up with the call on Coleman. It was, it was just a weird sequence. And like in, in general last night, I thought the refing was, I won't say questionable because it was like a pretty good game on that sense. But like, there's just some stuff missed that was like other games this year. We've seen those called pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, in the end, they probably got it right. You know, Coleman was clearly holding a stick and then he got it up in the face. So, I mean, whatever, but it's just funny to see a league star, not funny, it's apropos, a league star comes over, talks to the officials, then all of a sudden things change and, you know, they got it right, but the way it happened was kind of weird. Um, There were some calls that seemed like toward the end of the third period where the Flames probably should have been given a power play. I don't think the Kachuk one. I think Kachuk dove a little bit on his on it the when he was looking for and Kachuk's not going to get that call if he's trying to sell something because the league knows. So 
it is what it is. But again, Flames Flames end up winning two to one, so no big deal. Back to the Lucic talk. Um, I was banging that drum this summer to get Lucic. If they were going to name somebody a captain, why not name it Lucic? He's been around for a long time. He's a leader. Um, he's a guy that there's nobody in the locker room is going to say something to him that's not, you know, if Lucic says yellow, you go yellow. Nobody's going to, you know, I don't think people will, I, I don't want to stand up to Milan Lucic. I can't imagine anybody would. Um, the Flames probably don't need a captain this year. I think it's working well with the four A's, but like if you were going to name somebody like, like I did the summer and I think you're up for, I wouldn't mind Lucic's captain for a season or two. I don't hate it on a short-term thing. I know there have been some teams in recent years that have done like the, kind of grinder grittier guy as a captain for a short-term fix and um i think it was the panthers i think his name was Derek mckenzie a few years ago he was their captain for a year or two and it was kind of like a at the time kind of weird but i could totally see it making sense like he seems to be the kind of guy that he's always putting his best effort forward um i think he'd be a good player that kind of works with the team like um i think he sets a good example he's always working hard um with sutter as your coach i think there'd be some good synergy there too and I, I, I'm, I'm much of the opinion too that like I don't think they need to, but like if the league came out tomorrow and said everybody needs to have a captain by December first, I would, I would totally be on board with doing Lucic for like even just a year or two. Honestly, he's just, he's just playing so well right now, and he does so much of what this team wants and needs to be that I think it makes sense. Yeah, and I think my favorite part of Lucic isn't even his game and stuff on the ice; it's his post game. Like never sugarcoats anything, never gives the cliched canned you know athlete answer he speaks his mind and he'll tell you if they say that they weren't playing well he'll be like yeah we sucked we were terrible you know there's no there's no canned answer with him he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's honest and that's one of the things i like about him yeah so. when i when i was watching last night um i i put this on twitter but like in between the third period and overtime um he went for a bit of escape but then he was going up and down the bench like you could see him saying like Let, let's go guys let's have some energy here and like he did it to almost every guy that went on the ice in overtime and you could tell they were really listening and pepped up after that. Um, I just thought he looked like a leader last night. Um, the other thing I liked is after they did win, they all did the, like the hugging and stuff. Um, he immediately went and grabbed a puck and tossed it over the glass to a kid, like in the middle of while the rest of the team was still celebrating. Like he just, he kind of has everything right now that like this fan base and this team I think needs in a leader. And it'd be, I think he's more than deserving. Obviously there's other guys like Backlin, like Kachuk, if you want to go there, but like for one year on a team that's kind of like on a bit of a, I don't want to say like a team of destiny start to the season, but like a a team that could just be a one year wonder at the end of the day. Like I wouldn't hate Lucic just man the ship even for the rest of the season if they had to make a choice. Could you imagine like 10, 15 years you look back on this and God forbid the Flames win the Stanley Cup and Milan Lucic is the captain hoisting the cup the first guy? That would be sick. Right. I, 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 I would get a poster of that framed in my room if it was Lucic like that. That'd be awesome. The side-by-side -side photos of the last two captains of the Calgary Flames to hoist the cup, Lanny McDonald and Milan Lucic. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not quite on that level of folk here, but man, the dome, like it gets hyped every time he even touches the puck these days. Like you kind of want somebody like that that the crowd's always gonna get behind as your captain. Man, it's it's fun right now, is all I'm gonna say with him. Yeah, and I mean to not to belabor the point about the captain thing, like you know, Backlund gets tossed around. I think Backlund would be a good leader. He's got that focus on the ice, seems like a guy that people listen to in the locker room. People mention Lindholm, Kachuk's obviously a hot topic for that. Um, people even mentioned Johnny Gaudreau just because the way he's playing. I don't know if Gaudreau's and it's not a knock against Johnny, he doesn't seem like the rah-rah like captain, you know, leader type. Someone's even mentioned Manjupani, which doesn't, you know, if it's long term, not bad, but if like Lucic just embodies everything that you want out of your captain, like a leader on ice, off ice. 
he fits with the Sutter mold. Like it just seems like I don't know. Like I mean, last year when that game when they when they fired Ward after the big win and they announced Sutter was coming in, we were all like, whoa cool you know yeah. sutter's coming back and then it was like nah, i don't know is this gonna work and it's everything just seems to be coming up roses so far so you know yeah good on all fronts i guess um speaking of good on all fronts getting better uh dylan dubé uh finally gets the monkey off his back scores a goal the other night and he's looked like a much different player i know he's not he's in the sutter doghouse but he seems to be trying to work his way out a little bit uh lately no yeah, I think um, well, the goal was a nice little boost for him. It wasn't the greatest goal. It was kind of like a total miss on Flurry, but like it seemed to kind of spark him a bit. This homestand, I thought he's been playing better hockey. Like I thought his line last night was actually pretty solid. Like they created some good chances. Um, as good as you can get with a line that has like Monahan and Picklick, who are mm-hmm. pretty Bad. devoid of much in the offensive zone. Like I thought they were so- solid last night, and. Yeah, I think he's kind of got a bit of a ways to go to kind of work his way out. I don't think he's like cracking the top six at any point this year unless there's injuries, but the Flames are a much better team when Dubé's on. I think we saw that in like part of that series against Dallas a couple of years ago, like at times last year when he's on, like he's, it makes a big difference. And if that one goal is enough to kind of get him off the schneid a bit, we'll see if he can keep it up on this road trip. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. I think Dubé's like a big X factor on this team. Speaking of on the ice and not getting on the ice, um, let's touch on Uso Valamaki. Um, I think when Valamaki was all drafted, we all had high hopes that he'd be the guy with Rasmus Anderson leading the Flames into the future. And Rasmus is doing it, but he's doing it with Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev and Oliver Shillington and Nikita Zadorov and um, Erica Branson. No Uso Valamaki. Um, are we at that point where Valamaki either now becomes trade fodder at the trade deadline? Um, there was some talk after the game and some, there were, there were people going back and forth with Steinberg about it on the post game calling, but they can send him to Stockton. He doesn't like, he'll be fine if they drop him down. Nobody can claim him at this point. So should he be playing in Stockton? Has he done anything to be one of those untouchables? Like he can't go to Stockton. That's one of the things I never understood about Sam Bennett. When Bennett wasn't playing well, why not send him down to Stockton, let him get his feet wet, build his confidence not playing isn't doing anything for Valamaki, is it? Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was realizing yesterday because um, it kind of seemed like for a while that he did require waivers, but then it's kind of come out lately that's like actually he doesn't based on because he missed that full season and it like technically didn't count as a pro season if he didn't play at all. Um, yeah, if it turns out he hasn't needed waivers this whole time, then I'm kind of like, what the hell are the Flames doing? Because he, he needs to be playing games. You need that with any prospect. And yeah, there's no reason why you don't send him down. Um, if yeah, if you, I, I don't get it from so many levels if they've been holding him up here, unless they also didn't know about the waivers thing, which I would hope they would know. But it just he's making one and a half million dollars too. You can save most of that by sending him down and start accruing cap space for the trade deadline too. Like it doesn't make any sense to me that he's still with the Flames if he doesn't require waivers to go to the AHL. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's something I don't think he's been that outstanding when he's played that it warrants like, well, he's he's too good for the AHL, but he's not quite ready for the NHL. If you're not if you're a prospect and you're not playing, you should be in the minors playing base. I think that's just 100 percent simple. And the flame, it's not like they don't have an extra guy. So if they could always call him back up or if, you know, good Branson or Zadorov or any of those guys get hurt, Michael Stone can step in the one game he's played. He's looked fine this season, you know, so they have they have options. I would just rather see Valimaki in the minors playing, or maybe he's a guy, you know, some team looks at him as like, you know, he's young. He's still, we'll take a chance on him and maybe he can, you know, net the flames, you know, 
draft picks, prospects, whatever cap space, you know, come trade deadline. Cause he's a guy, even if the flames are playing well and making a playoff run, they don't have to hang on to him because they're not using him. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And I was kind of of that opinion too, that if like, I don't know if Zadorov or Gabranta got like banged up, like blocked a shot and had to miss a couple of games. Like I'm not even sold that Val Mackey would get in over stone because at least with stone, you know what you're going to get pretty much every game with Val Mackey. You've seen the ups and the downs and, I think if I was Daryl Sutter and I had to pick a guy just for a couple, like if it's like a 10 game injury, sure you get Val Mackey and you get him settled in. But if you need a guy for just a game or two here and there, like I think I'd go with stone over him at this point, just because you know what you're going to get from stone every night. So you can game plan better. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's, yeah, maybe that's just the plan. They're just, because honestly the flames defense is playing fine as they are constituted. I mean, sure. There's a couple moments with the bottom pairing, but still they're not, they've played well enough that they don't warrant, I think a benching or a, you know, a night in the press box just to get a kid in there. They're playing well. There's really no change. There's really no reason to mess it up, I guess. Right. So who knows? All right. We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to look at the flames ultra important road trip coming up as they're going California dreaming and stopping in the city of sin down there in Las Vegas. And then um, things are getting wonky in Boston. Jake DeBrusque wants out and apparently Brad Tree Living is kicking the tires, but we all know what that means because if you've been a Flames fan long enough, you know what Brad kicking the tires means. It means he just stubs his toe. We're going to take a break here on the Tinderbox, and we will be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark and Michael here today. We just recapped and gushed over Milan Lucic, had some questions about Uso Valamaki. Big week coming up here. Four games on the road at LA, at Anaheim, at Vegas, at San Jose. And looking at records of some of those teams, you're like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. It's the Kings. They've cooled off. It's the Sharks. The Flames are 0-2-1 against the Pacific. They need to get cranking. They need to get moving. Um, This is the trip to do it. They could really put some distance between themselves and some of these teams. Um, Vegas is always tough. They've never won in Vegas. They're 0-6. And I think I said they've been outscored like 27-9 to in Vegas. It hasn't been pretty. Uh, We all know the 29 in a row in Anaheim, but that's changed. Calgary's won two in a row there. Um, I think I said today, I said, uh, was it a five, five, points six points on this road trip should be successful but uh you know you'd look for calgary to hopefully power through three of these four teams right well yeah i'm kind of i'm of the opinion that like the vegas curse is like kind of similar strength to the anaheim curse and that like i think you just go there expecting them to lose and if anything else happens like that's that's a bonus but um yeah like you said this is a road trip that they're either going to fall back to the pack in the pacific with um the other california teams in vegas or they can really pull themselves away from it and 
I think, yeah, at least they should be able to get two wins, if not like five, six points, like you said. Um, they're kind of tough trips because like they always seem to have a tougher time heading out west. Like I don't know, they're tough buildings to play in sometimes, but this year they if they're a good team, they should be able to dispatch all three of the California teams. Like they did lose to the Ducks and the Sharks already this year, but both games I think you could argue they deserved at least well, they got a point in the Ducks game, but I, I would say they deserve to win both games, frankly. And the Kings are a bit of a mess right now. They had that hot start, but they've kind of fallen off since. So I, I think they shouldn't have too much of an issue on this trip if they are the team we've seen so far this year. Yeah, the Ducks and Kings definitely had their streaks where like Anaheim won seven in a row, the Kings won six in a row, and then all of a sudden they came over the crest of the hill and came back down the other end. Um, the Flames did lose at home to San Jose 4-1, to one, and that was a pretty COVID-decimated team. Um, if I if it was San Jose, I remember correctly, like didn't they, didn't they not have their coach, their head trainer, like eight players? It was a hot mess, and so... You know, and sometimes teams like that get you though, because you've got kids in there working hard who want to make an impression, you know, and they 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 catch you, you know, it's like they sucker punch you, you're not looking, then all of a sudden you're getting yourself up off the mat and they're running away and they're gone. So, you know, those things happen, but I think the Kings game is winnable. I think the Sharks game is winnable. Um, and then I I could flip a coin, but I would take Anaheim before I would take Vegas just because Calgary just you know, T Mobile Arena apparently is the new Honda Center. You know, for the flames when they show little, up, little Vegas flu. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and losses a plenty stay in Vegas for the Flames. Um, and you, you know, you look down after that. You know, then they got a quick two-game homestand. Then it's like two and two and two and two. And then they got a decent stretch at home, um, culminating with the Oilers on the twenty-seventh, which I think will be the uh, biggest game before the Flames get to the new year. You know, they go to Seattle to play the crack, and that'll be nice, but. They got to be looking ahead at this point to Monday, December 27th, a home date against Edmonton, Edmonton to get back at them for, you know, the opening night loss and just to show the Oilers and their fans that we're not all loser points, right? This is a damn good hockey team. That's going to be a very uh, entertaining game for sure. Um, yeah, I think this next stretch, like you said, it's kind of a back and forth, but I think they should be able to kind of take care of business down here. And then, yeah, at at some point they're probably going to start circling that calendar. I know Geo comes back on the 23rd with Seattle coming to town, but um, yeah, I want to get one, one thing with the Vegas game. We were just talking about, like, I feel like if there's ever a coach, you don't want to piss off when you go to Vegas, it's probably Sutter. So like, (laughs) I can't imagine, like, I just picture like the classic, like one of the guys is coming back to their room at like 3am when they weren't supposed to go out and just vague, like a Sutter in the hallway, just like, wrapping a ruler on his wrist or something yeah. <laughs> or a cattle yeah. prod or something. Yeah. I picture Sutter, like the curfew is 7 PM and every door has tape on it. So he can check and see <laughs> if the tape has been broken by coming in or out and doing it. I could totally see him doing that, but you know, maybe too, it's a culture change to Calgary, you know, with, with Sutter going in, everybody's buying in. And like we joked last week, Goudreau, he's throwing hits. He's taking penalties. You know, the flames are a little more physical, but not like dumb physical. I feel like that, the opening night loss to Edmonton, they just lost everything in that. They just they went bananas. They tried to be too physical, too crazy fights, and they did exactly what the Oilers wanted them to do. Edmonton was like, please play dumb. We'll just score goals. And that's exactly what happened. And McDavid had what, like a three-point night or something like that that night. He just torched the flames like he does. And to me, it's like I think Calgary's learned a lot from them. They've learned how to win big games. They've learned how to win tight games. They've learned how to win blowouts and play and play the right way. So maybe, you know, maybe that'll change too. And, you know, the defensive wizard is now in too, and Oliver Shillington. So, uh, you know, he was an almost non-factor because he didn't play in that opening night. So yeah, it's a long way to look ahead. I mean, they still have 
that four game road trip. And then they've got Carolina and the Bruins at home. Then it's Chicago, Nashville in their towns. And then they got three with Maple Leafs, the Blue Jackets, Ducks, and then Kraken and the Oilers. So it's a, it's not a murderer's row schedule kind of, there's some tough ones. I'm interested to see how they play against a team like Carolina. Um, you know, one of the beasts of the East, um, that should be an interesting matchup. Yeah, definitely. I think Carolina, I think the Leafs, um, those will be probably the two biggest ones. And then obviously before the Oilers game, um, but other than that, like a lot of those teams, those do sound like winnable games too. So like, I think that's the big thing now that they've gotten off to such a good start is that they just kind of keep building on it now. Cause like, I think at some point every team does lose, like has, has their like five to six game losing streak in a season, just in the same way, pretty much every team has like a five to six game winning streak. Yep. So I think if they can just build up now, because eventually that just seems to happen to every team at some point that hopefully they can kind of keep enough ground to stay ahead of everyone else in the division besides Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a stretch where they play. I mean, this is way, way looking ahead into January, but they're going to have Vegas, Florida, Edmonton, St. Louis, Columbus, St. Louis. That's a pretty tough stretch right there. That's a you want to because I mean, they're going to go in. They're going to have a losing streak. It happens to every team, whether it's three games, four games, whether it's eight games. It depends. They're going to go into a slump at some point. You know, Markstrom's going to have a game where he gives up three softies and they get slaughtered. And, you know, I know Daryl Sutter doesn't like changing his goalies mid game. So there's going to be games where Vladar is going to come in and look like a backup. It's going to happen. That's just a fact of life. No team plays that lights out for an entire season. Most of the time, Tampa. Um, so, you know, that type of scenario. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, changes around the league. Uh, Montreal's doing some serious house cleaning, trying to get their organization straight. Uh, news out of Boston is Jake DeBrusque wants out of Boston. He's requested a trade. Um, Flames are doing air quotes linked, like they're linked to everybody. Mark Stone and Jack Eichel and uh, you and I. You know, so it's like, uh, what, what are your thoughts, uh DeBrusque, I mean, I know he's making three. He's an RFA. The Flames don't have a lot of money. The Flames cap situation right now is three hundred thousand. It'll be four hundred thousand at the trade deadline. So there's a big, big up there. They get a hundred grand. Um, DeBrusque has had a couple rough seasons in a row after coming in and being really strong in his first three. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm torn on DeBrusque because I don't love a lot of his like stats. When you kind of look deeper into him, like. There is some potential there, as we saw in his past years. Like, I still don't think you kind of fluke your way to like a couple of good seasons. Like, he had to start his career, but um, yeah, I think the biggest thing you said is going to be the money involved. Like, not just this year, but the fact that if you bring him in, he's an RFA after this year. So, unless the Flames are willing to just let him walk as a UFA, which I mean, I wouldn't hate if they just decide, yeah, it's it's a rental for us. But at the same time, if they're going to be making this trade, they're probably bidding against teams that will plan to re-sign him and at least qualify him for next year. But at his qualifying offer is going to be about 4.4 million. It looks like. So I think it doesn't, the fit doesn't really seem to be there. Like I was thinking, we were even thinking today, like where would he fit in this lineup right now with no injuries? And it's like, he's a winger and you look like right now, the top six wingers are set. And then like even Dubé and Pitt, like are pretty set in the third pair. I don't think he's even unseeing Lucic or Lewis at this point, who've both been playing very well in the fourth line too. Like, I just don't see the fit there given that, it seems like there's a good market for him and there's going to be probably teams willing to pay more than the flames could pay. Yeah. hundred percent. Somebody will overpay for him just based on his three years in the league. He was 65 games plus he had a uh, 45 point season. Something he's, he's very good in his first three years and he's definitely fallen off. I mean, last year, COVID year was tough for everybody, but hasn't really done much out of the gate for Boston um, so far this season. And unless you're going to move 
a Dubé or a Monahan or somebody like that to create cap space. And I don't even know if the Bruins would be like, oh, we'll take, oh, Sean Monahan's broken hip at 6-2-5 or 6-5. Yeah, we'll, we'll take him and give you DeBrusque. Sure, that sounds like a steal for you guys. You know, so to me, it just doesn't make sense. Plus, then, you know, if you do plan on bringing him back, then you still have to sign him and you still have the three big guns that need to be looked at this offseason as well, too. So, um, you know, it's the fans joke, you know, he did, you know, Brad for living kicks the tires on everything and then doesn't buy tires. Um, I, th- this one doesn't seem like a, a home run fit or a move that needs to be made. And you make good points too, about unfortunately guys like Lewis and Pitlick who are in the lineup that aren't getting out of the lineup. Um, they're not doing anything spectacular, but they're also not an anchor dragging the team down either. So, yeah, like I, I thought Pitlick was fine. Like I thought he was kind of a weird fit at the start of the year. I thought he's been better lately. I thought I've actually been pretty happy with Lewis lately. I thought he looked really mm-hmm. good last night. Like that fourth line seems to be clicking with Richardson in the middle. Um, yep. In terms of DeBrusque, like it just, like you said, the fit's not really there. Um, if they are going to bring in anyone this year, I think they just need to bring in rentals guys that are going to be UFAs after the year. There's no kind of commitment or anything required. I think you just bring those guys in and then work on re-signing your stars after that because any money or anything that you need with a commitment right now, something I just don't think the Flames should be buying into too much, knowing what's on the horizon this summer. No, completely agree. And honestly, what Calgary normally does anyway, whether in contention or not, is they bring in a another bottom six forward or seventh defenseman, something like that, on cheap money for like seven hundred grand, and they trade a fourth round pick for him. So, and honestly, Calgary's got guys. You know, they, they're still Brett Ritchie. You know, he still has to come back. He hasn't been. He wasn't spectacular when he was out there, but he's serviceable when he's there. And honestly, Jacob Peltier, he's kind of, he's knocking on the door. He's he's not even knocking anymore. I think he's starting to pound on the door, begging to be let in. Yeah, he's been ridiculous in Stockton. His overtime winner the other night where he walked around like three guys and scored was just ridiculous. Like he's... He, he he deserves a shot this year. I hope he gets it at some point. Like I'm sure there'll be there'll be injuries at some point. That's one thing the Flames have gotten kind of lucky on this year's injuries. And um yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a question of like if he'll get a chance this year. I just think it's when at this point. Yeah. And you look at I mean, just how his play has gone. It's you look at a poor guy like Glenn Godden. Like Glenn Godden just gets further down the depth chart as everybody gets better. You know, it's like you like to see him get a chance because he's a he's a good kid. He can skate, he can shoot, but I I think Peltier is just He's just like he's getting hard to ignore at this point. Sometimes you can, as the organization, you're like, yeah, 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 you're doing it in the AHL, you're fine, whatever. You're doing it in the the WHL or the USHL or the Quebec Minor Junior Hockey League, whatever league you're doing it in. Yeah, yeah, we get it. But he's making a special case where I think sooner than later someone gets hurt, he's probably the guy that gets the call. I would hope at least. Yeah, definitely. I think especially if it's someone like further up the lineup, I think you want to get him at least into the top three lines and. uh yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm all on bringing him up when the when it makes sense. Uh, back-to-backs this week, Thursday, Friday, at LA, at Anaheim. Assuming we're going to get a look at Dan Vladar at some point in one of those two games. Um, figure he has to play on this road trip at some point because he hasn't seen the ice in a while. Um, my guess, I would, you know, I, I might even start him in LA, you know, instead of sending him to Anaheim. Give uh, Markstrom that start there, but you know how Sutter works. It'll probably go flip-flop, but your thoughts. Yeah, I don't think I think we'll see Vladar just because, like you said, it's back to back. He's done nothing to not play. It's just that Sutter has his kind of strategy. It works. He likes to ride the goalie. Markstrom doesn't seem to be wearing out too much. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if he gets in twice on this road trip for whatever reason. Sutter seems to like playing Vladar more on the road so far this year. So I I, I think yeah, like I said, he's done nothing to not get starts. I just think Markstrom's been so good too that like. When we did our report cards last week, like 
both goalies got an A plus to start the season. I can't even remember the last time we had a goalie with like an A, let alone two with an A plus. So like, keep yeah. hammering. Like he'll get his starts, and uh, yeah, best kept secret. Maybe if you don't start him too much. Yeah, I think the only time any Flames goalie in recent history that started that had an A and it was like they're playing like ass. Like that was it. Like yeah. between between Jonas Hiller and Mike Smith and. Although Kim Talbot, whatever. The point is, like the Flames are in, uh, they're in a good spot right now. Very good spot with two exceptional goalies who are playing well. And again, they're going to go through a rough spot at some point too. It happens with all goalies. Uh, you know, you look at how Mark Andre Fleury started with Chicago and how he's turned it around. So good goalies always go through stretches. It's a fact of life, but it's just good to have somebody extra there that's playing well. Um, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Um, I'm not looking forward to the 8.30 and 8 o'clock starts mountain time this trip. Um, I really enjoyed the 5 o'clock mountain time starts for all these East games. And uh, yeah, it's I know it's going to be even worse for you, so I probably shouldn't be complaining. But like, my goodness, it's these late games kind of suck, especially on a weeknight. Actually, you know, they're actually not going to be too bad for me because I'm going away with my son to a hockey tournament. We're going to be about um, five miles from the Canadian border. So I don't mind a 1030 start when I'm in a hotel room and I got nothing else to do because it's too damn cold and you can't go anywhere. So it works out perfectly now. But yeah, uh, we always joke. I am not a big fan of the 10 p.m. Saturday night start when you're at 1 a.m. and you're like, sorry, guys, nobody's getting a recap today. I'm yeah, going and they back. just lost five to, to a team they should have beat. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Well, uh, Flames next game, they're playing Thursday night. At the Kings, that's a 10.30 East start and 8.30 Calgary start. It, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. This is a big trip for the Flames coming up. Michael, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline. You will find the Tinderbox under there. You will also find Behind Enemy Lines. That's a series we do reaching out to other teams the Flames are playing. And you'll find the greatest podcast that's ever existed, Mark and Michael's Musings, just tearing up the internet. It's so good. Um, you can find those all under the Matchsticks and Gasoline banner. You can find us on the web, www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com and on Twitter and Instagram at MatchsticksCGY. Flames leaving Calgary. Four-game road trip starts Thursday at the Kings. This is a big one. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.